Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 92, The Mystery of Angels, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell and today I am here with John Potts. John, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you here. You might be thinking, well, what's this guy doing here? Well, uh, Zena, as many of you have come to know, is um, going to be taking a sabbatical for a while because she is studying physical therapy and she is getting much more deeply involved in her schooling right now. So she's running out of time. So we wish her the very best. We love her dearly. And maybe she'll be able to come back from time to time. But for now, John has agreed to sit in and be a co-host. So John, thank you so much. Absolutely. So John, uh, you and I kind of go way back. You were actually, uh, you and your wife were attending one of the first Bible classes I ever taught here in Texas. Yep. So I think that was here in Austin. Yeah, I think or you're in Seguin, but I live in Austin. But I think it was in Austin when you were doing that. Right, Austin or San Antonio. Actually, come up from San from Louisiana, and uh, before we actually moved out here, I used to come up once a month Mm -hmm. and teach a Bible class. And I think you guys were involved in that first group. Yep. Up in Austin for a while, and then over time we moved out here. So, John, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. I mean, you and I have known each other probably since about 1998, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've we've known each other for whatever the math is on that some 15, 20, 20 years, years yeah. right? So, <laughs> I was a lot younger then, uh, a little thinner, but uh, so um, yeah. I mean, I live in Austin now. My wife is Jana. Um, we have three kids, three great, great kids, and um, you know, as far as my back background as far as uh, being a Christian goes. I was raised in a Christian home, two great parents. Um, That gave us a great, that gave us a great foundation of uh, the Christian faith, taught us all about things like rightly dividing uh, the dispensations, things like that. So, um, and that, you know, that was me growing up. And then I would, I wanted to tell you guys uh, and coming over here, you know, I kind of went through a period of, you know, my 20s, 30s, and now I'm in my 40s, right? Where um, you kind of fall, a lot of Christians do this, I think, but you fall into a little bit of a lull. I definitely did in my choice. So I, I call it being a Christian autopilot, right? Where you're, you're not really, <laughs> you, you know, you kind of go into church and you're kind of going through the motions, which I was, right? Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really growing and I um, maybe wasn't seeking a whole lot as well, you yeah. know? Um, and a lot, and not a lot of that, all of that's on me. But I wanted to tell you and Sandy, I mean, my wife and I literally within the last year and a half to maybe two years, I started seeing so much of what was going on in the world. Yeah. And it's crazy right now, oh, right? Yes. I mean, it has gone absolutely 20-fold in the last five years, right? And everyone's seen that. So I'm asking myself all these questions. What is going on? And I'm talking to my wife, who is a great Christian woman, and she Amen. actually sent me something. She goes, you know, you have a lot of questions. You need to listen to this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So she sent me episode one of series two that you have, which is the Satanic Global Elite. I think if I'm right, right? Yeah. And I listened to the Satanic Global Elite and it was like, holy cow. Like, what have I... (laughs) Did you know at the time that was me doing that or I did because you and I had known each other for a long time but right. we we hadn't been in touch for That's right because you moved to Dallas probably. for a while and yeah. we we've lost touch about that time. Yeah, so yeah. we we hadn't, you know, I was in my career, we were up in Dallas, you were down here. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
uh, we're raising kids, all of that. And then, like I said, I was on Christian autopilot where I was probably mm. focused on way completely other stuff than, sure. than my Christian life, right? Mm. So anyways, back to the satanic global elite. I have all these questions about stuff going on. I listened to this podcast that you did, and I am just like, holy cow, like... It was like my eyes were opened again, and yeah. all of a sudden I became hungry to um, learn about all this stuff, and it really reawakened me. So what you guys are doing, I mean, I want to give you props for that. Well, thanks. And it really made me hungry again to kind of learn about stuff. So anyway, so I guess for the audience, then I contacted you. Yeah, I We remember. got together after whatever amount of time, right? Yeah, 15 years. years, yeah. Scott turns me on to, he's like, hey, read this book, which is Judgment of the Nephilim oh, from Ryan, Ryan Peterson, Peterson yep. which if anybody out there doesn't have that book, they need to buy that book. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Right? It's amazing. And then he's also written um, The Final Nephilim. Correct. Also need to own that book. Yeah. All of this stuff, what I'm getting to, has kind of opened my eyes to there's so much more to the Bible and yeah. what you can learn and all of the stuff in the Old Testament that I never really was trained on being a Christian growing up in my household, which yeah. was focused on Romans through Philemon, True. right? Yeah. And then the church, once I left my home, the church, you know, the modern church, I'm not going to dog the modern church, but it's pretty much you go there, you listen to a, a mini rock concert, yeah. you know, and then you listen to a message. And I've told N you many not times. Not a lot of meat. No, there's yeah. nothing. <laughs> personally, there's nothing there other than telling me I need to be a good guy yeah. and live better for the Lord. Well, I know all that. It's right. just a matter of whether or not I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> So um, anyways, it opened my eyes up into so much more about the Bible, like the mysteries in the Bible and the history of the Bible right. and things like um, Genesis 6 and the fallen angels. And, uh, you know, I won't go into all your podcasts and sure. the, the flood of Noah and the Nephilim. I mean, there's so much fascinating stuff. It really is. That to me, if you start learning about all that stuff, you can then, it gives you so much more understanding about the Bible that then you can start talking to your friends and your family and your coworkers about things and really open their eyes. And then they see what's going on in our current events oh, yeah. with the satanic global elite. And it, it's mind blowing. So, anyways, yeah, it's probably more than what, what you wanted, Scott. So you no, could probably edit all, have that out if no, you want. <laughs> loved every bit of it because you're just echoing really what most of our audience feels is, yeah. is exactly right. That they're telling us when they write to us, when they um, give us feedback, and that is that the Bible is telling us about these times, mm -hmm. and it's uh, while the church is focused on the the pablum, if you will, and. Um, there's not many people out there um, trying to gain their attention, but there is a few. And authors like Ryan Peterson, L.A. Marzulli, that have been at this for years, mm -hmm. and there's others. Uh, there's other preachers. I, I could name them. But um, we, we feel like it's, there's such a need right now to get the church ready. I, I frankly think that it's very possible that the theory of the seven churches of Asia in the book of Revelation, which are actual churches and cities— also may correspond to the ages of the church since it founded. And uh, the last church is the Laodicean age where Christ says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. So I spew you out of my mouth. And it's very possible that we're in that age of the church reaching the Laodicean mentality of we just won't stand for the Lord. We won't yeah. be uh, um, soldiers for, uh, in this battle. And so I mm -hmm. think it's going to be during that age that the rapture will happen because the Lord is essentially saying, I'm done with you. You're not doing the work, so there's no more need for you. I'm going to move on to the 144,000. Yeah. So I think we're trying our best to prepare the church for the rapture to get as many people saved as we can and to warn them about the coming last days, which I think are fast approaching. Yeah. So I'm just very grateful that you would agree to do this, John. It's a real blessing to me. Thank you that you would step in and uh, we'll see where this goes today because our episode 92 is going to talk about the mystery of angels. We had a lot of people asking about angels, uh, a lot we can talk about. I, I've already kind of warned John this will probably be two parts because there's so much details. But we're going to start with a Pauline passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul makes the statement in verse 7, and it is, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. 
And I don't mean that you can pass your geometry quiz by reading Paul's letters, but what I mean is he he's saying we need to look at all of the Bible through the lens of what Paul is saying so we can get the understanding. And, you know, you mentioned in your background the history of growing up focusing on Romans through Philemon, mm-hmm. the letters Paul wrote. And I did, too, as an older uh, Bible student uh, for quite a number of years focused on that as well. And it's funny how in that teaching, a lot of what was sort of implied was focus on Paul's epistles, pay no attention to the rest of the Bible. Yeah, exactly. They didn't ever say that, but it was sort of implied. And yet throughout Paul's epistles, he peppers it with, as it is written, as it is written, mm-hmm. <laughs> over and over again, as though he's trying to say, no, look at what was written through the lens of what I said, instead of don't pay any attention to that. He's saying, go read, and go read and look at it through the lens of the revelation God gave me. And so one of the things that Paul wrote about was about angels. Uh, He gave us some information about angels that I think we should use as we look at all of Scripture through the lens of Paul, through his eyes. So in 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a, a famous passage, verse 16, and without controversy, Great is the mystery of godliness. So we're Bible mysteries. We're focusing on the mysteries. Paul said we're to be stewards of the mysteries. And the mysteries are not just what he wrote. There's many mysteries in the Bible, okay? But he said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And here's the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. I think much of the church today would argue that this is a passage that is another uh, verification of the deity of Christ. And I think that it is. He's no doubt God manifests in the flesh. But there's more to this than that. We're not going to focus on this one verse today. But when he says God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, that's not just Christ. In the flesh, because when was Christ preached unto the Gentiles? Not in his earthly ministry, right? He he focused on the gospel of the kingdom to Israel. You know, he had an Israeli specific ministry that they rejected him as king. But Paul later on became the apostle of the Gentiles. So I think he's talking about the entire age of the church here. And it's during that, so Jesus Christ was seen of angels, no doubt about it, every minute he was on the earth. But he was also seen of angels after he created them. You know, he's the creator. And he was seen of angels as the pre-incarnate Christ in heaven. So what's the connection to the mystery of godliness? Well, it's preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. To me, that's the rapture. So I would argue this is the entire church age here. Of the dispensation of grace, you know, Christ beginning it, the head of the church. And you, what is the significance of that last uh, phrase, scene of angels? Yeah, so scene of angels to me is going to tie into angels are witnessing what the church is doing. Yeah. In fact, Paul even said in the book of Ephesians, I'm not going to, well, maybe we'll get to that, but he said that. they are learning by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Hmm. So both the angels that are faithful to the Lord didn't know the secret that God had planned. I I honestly think that the death of Jesus Christ was a mystery. You don't think that the angels had any idea that that was... No idea. Wow. I believe God, certainly not Satan and his angels, right? Because it says, had the princes of this world known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But not to impugn our elder brethren, faithful angels, but the expression loose lips sink ships Mm -hmm. (laughs) might might apply to creatures other than human beings. So what if the angels couldn't know as well, even God's angels? And you got to think that they... It'd be wise not to let them know because they had already screwed it up once, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not to let any of the angels know uh, what God had planned. So in my mind, I can imagine Michael, faithful angels like Michael, mm-hmm. watching Christ on the cross, looking at the Father, saying, "Why yeah, don't you what let is us going on here? Why don't you let yeah. us go stop this? We could take them out in a heartbeat, the Roman centurions, whatever." And and God was like, "Stay." Do not move. I know what I'm doing. You know, and they didn't understand. And so they then Lord, please explain what's happening. He's saying, 
Just watch my church and you'll learn hmm. what's happening. So uh, I would argue that there are angels that are faithful to the Lord. Paul calls them elect angels. In fact, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 21, he said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. I'm interested in that phrase, the elect angels, yeah. chosen. Who are the angels? Well, they would have to be the, the faithful ones, not the ones that rebelled. So we know that uh, we're going to learn a third of the angels joined Lucifer in that rebellion. Mm -hmm. So if the angels are without n number, the Bible refers to an innumerable company of angels. So let's say there's 100 billion angels. You know, it's more than the population of the earth. I don't know how many there are, but let's just say there are. Well, one third of that, 33 billion angels, mm -hmm. joined Lucifer in that rebellion. Now, don't think I'm trying to give you that number as a number you can reference. It's just me using a hypothetical. I don't know how many angels there are. But a large number of them are involved with Lucifer. And they're the ones warring against us, the church. So not only are the elect angels of God learning by the church his manifold wisdom, but he's proving something to those rebellious angels too. He's hmm. showing them what their error was and why they made a mistake in joining Lucifer. So this is something that, that kind of blows my mind, and it maybe it doesn't. It pertains to this podcast, but maybe I'm going a little bit off the rails. But it, it blows my mind that um, the angels led by Lucifer actually thought that they could pull that plan off. Does, that is, do you ever think about that and yeah. go, what were they thinking that, I mean, they watched him create everything, yeah. right? Yes. Including themselves. Absolutely. And yet they still thought that they could pull off the coup, exactly. right? <laughs> you know, and what makes them think that? Because you got to think that the angels, I would assume, have a much higher intellect than a human being. Yes, what that is, 10,000 times our intellect? Like, I don't know, right? <laughs> I don't know. But they, so, so they're obviously a lot smarter than we are. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't, I would assume, although in the end times, people think that they can pull it off, right? Because yeah. when people follow the Antichrist in the end times, they think that they're going to fight the army of God, which I was reading that the other day, and that blows my mind that they, people, human beings, actually think they could pull it off. But angels, being so much more intelligent than we are, thought that they could pull it off back in the... It tells Back you the, in that time. Yeah, you know? it tells you the power of the deception of Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Because obviously he's going to deceive the human race into mm -hmm. worshiping him. But you have you ever had a an argument with somebody that took a diametrically opposite position to what you believe? Sure. Yeah. And um, let's just say in this discussion, the facts are on your side. And it becomes obvious to you that the person with the opposing viewpoint has lost the argument on the basis of the facts. Mm -hmm. Rather than concede to the facts, they will attack you and become emotional. That's the, that's the human nature to do that. You, you see that particularly in political type arguments mm -hmm. where if one side can't win on the facts, they will resort to name calling or... Uh, whatever, something to defame the, the, the messenger. Yeah. And it just shows you how deeply ingrained emotions are. Well, why would angels be any different? They may be more intelligent than we are, but I don't think angels are emotionless creatures. You know, if, yeah, no, I, if I Lucifer right was raised yeah. up because of pride, imagine his pride to a human's pride. If he's greater yeah. in intellect, power, and might... He's greater in emotions, too, I would think. So the angels, rather than concede defeat, and, and there's every reason to believe that they were offered an opportunity to turn and make a choice, and they didn't. Uh, it, it would appear that, I, I would argue, and that's what my book, The, the World That Was, is going to contain, uh, evidence for this, when, when I finally, the Lord willing, finish it. Um, but I, I believe that the angelic civilization existed on this earth before man, but not just this planet. And I think our entire solar system may give evidence of a waste and destruction that perhaps the entire realm was occupied by angels. And now those planets were obliterated uh, and mm -hmm. they, they can't be inhabited, you know. And I, I think we're going to find eventually there's evidence of habitations um, hmm. somehow one day. But um, when until that time comes, 
God focused on the earth, and he only restored the earth, but gave man dominion of it, and not the angels this time. So do you think that you think that the fallen angels had an opportunity to <clears throat> repent after they had committed that act of uh, whatever you call that? Rebellion, yeah, insurrection, yeah. yeah. Because the reason I ask that is because I've read in the Bible, and I can't remember where. It was probably in Matthew, because after the crucifixion of Christ, he went down, mm-hmm. correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, to hell. Right. And it says in the Bible that he ministered to those fallen spirits. It and says correct he me if preached. I'm wrong. No, you're right. Yeah. He said he preached to the spirits in prison in Second Peter. Yeah, so, and I've thought to myself when I read that, I said... What would he preach to them for, yeah. right? I mean, they're already in hell. Yeah. They're already condemned. Unless there's an opportunity that they could potentially repent at that point. I mean, I don't believe they had why an opportunity would he minister to repent. To yeah, that's a great question, John. I don't think he was preaching to them from the standpoint of if you turn, if you repent, because this the spirits in prison, I believe, are the angels that sin in Genesis six. Yeah. That particular crime was punishable by being put in chains in the bottomless pit. So when he preached to them, I believe he was saying what their damnation would be. That their oh, damnation okay. So he's is, reading a judgment more than anything else. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. That, that you're going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, at some point released because we know the bottomless pit's going to be open during the book of Revelation. And when they come out, there's they're locust-like mm-hmm. creatures. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're even degenerating as they from their original form, you know. But whatever it is. Uh, they'll ultimately be thrown in the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that would make sense as to why when they're released, they're going to attack mankind to kill them out of anger, out of vengeance, out of whatever, you know. So I, I think the jealousy of these angels that God made a dirt creature man yeah. from the dust of the earth to replace them. When we look at what Lucifer was made of, as we get to these passages soon in Ezekiel, every precious stone was his covering. I mean, we're dirt to him. We're an ant to mm-hmm. him, you know, a roach, yeah. if you will. And yet God said, I give man dominion of the earth. You know, So he obviously had every intention of making a redemption plan for mankind, but not for the angels. So what I'm saying is that I don't think he ever offered them. I don't know that he offered them redemption after the rebellion. I think with their wisdom, their experience, uh, they and we don't know how long ago this was. But they had every opportunity to make a choice, an informed decision, and they chose to side against God. So it's not like man who sinned and came into a condition of separation from God, but he can't see him and he can't know him except through his word and his Holy Spirit draw him. These these were the creatures that he created and that he manifested himself to them, and they saw him create the earth. Mm-hmm. They literally sang and shouted for joy when he laid the foundations. So for who knows how long they occupied the planet and the civilization and maybe other planets as well. <clears throat> and then they chose to join that rebellion. And when they made that choice, there was no turning back. No, so there was no opportunity for repentance after I, that. I don't think so, unless God gave them some opportunities and maybe they could have. And, you know... In the book of Enoch, while that's not scripture, it's historically interesting. Uh, And there was a point at which it says that those angels of the sin did uh, uh, ask Enoch to intercede on behalf of them, to ask God to forgive them, and he wouldn't do it. Now, we don't know if there's any truth to that, Hmm. but it might be another indication that angels couldn't receive redemption. You know, it's just another possibility. It's another piece of evidence. Um, Again, I don't think that he gave them that choice. And hence the term, the elect angels are the ones that chose right. Yeah. You know, I think. Uh, And as a matter of fact, that brings up another interesting thing. If if we're talking about redemption and not receiving it uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 2, and we're starting with all, again, all these are Pauline passages because we're going to look at angels in the rest of Scripture through the lens of what Paul wrote about him. And in verse 2, he said, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? That blows my mind. Yeah. We're going to judge angels, how much more things that pertain to this life. So he's giving us uh, dominion of the earth, and we're going to rule with him. And that's going to include the judgment of men and the judgment of angels. So the question is, 
in my mind. When did they find that out? Because that's got to drive them crazy, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> if you're Satan, right? And maybe that's what really, truly fueled his his hatred yeah. in the Garden of Eden. Right. If he knew when man was created that somewhere down the line for this act that they had done, right, that he was going to be judged by these dirt creatures, right? Right. Then that's, that got, the that's got to fuel the fire, right? <laughs> that's the great irony. I had a, a sister in Christ, Lindy, tell me uh, years ago, she, she kind of brought up the idea of, you know, when God made Adam, it's like, look, I gave you, Lucifer, everything. I can do better with dirt yeah. than I did yeah. with you, you know? And it's, it's almost like he's saying, that, in other words, what we have to understand, folks, is, is there is a battle that's been going on for millennia. Mm-hmm. of these angels. This- Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true. So you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. This is not the angels weren't created for man. They were created before man. And now the ones that are elect angels are certainly ministering spirits for them that are going to be the heirs of salvation. We'll see that in the book of Hebrews. But <clears throat> that's not all they do. So they existed long before us. And these star wars that took place that wreaked the devastation on the planets probably uh, was, was something that God allowed to happen. Almost as if to say, all right, go ahead, fight against me. Try to take the throne, I dare you. Mm-hmm. Not that God would say, I dare you. Yeah. you know? But they, they did and they lost. They mounted that insurrection. And so when God restored the earth and he focused his attention on man, Satan's attention has been focused on man too on this planet, on this world, on this civilization, because he wants to try to outdo God. Oh, yeah, well, I'll turn them on my side, just as he did with the angels. So that seems to be his yeah. modus operandi, you know, that he wants to outdo God and, and maybe at the end say, see, you couldn't get anybody to believe on you or you can only get a handful. But God had planned all along. And obviously when you get into the whole thing of the serpent and the seed, yeah, that was the the whole point was to try to stop his own destruction if he could, but he had no idea that when he crucified Christ, that would be the triumph. And he's trying to take as many people down with him as he possibly can because he knows, right? It's the prophecy. He knows it's. You would think he's he knows that it's going to happen. I, I believe he knows the scriptures. Uh, he he can certainly yeah. memorize it better than yeah. we could. I don't believe he believes it. Yeah. You know, obviously he wouldn't be trying. So it's kind of back to your question. What is the audacity of these creatures that think they can defeat God? But they must be of such a mind and such a glorious nature that they actually believe they can win. And the interesting thing is we're going to end up replacing them, not as angels, but in God's court, in his government, Mm -hmm. you know, and whatever positions they once held will probably be held by us. So the irony is, is astounding how God's working through this, you know. So let's Hmm. talk about the first occurrence of angels in the scriptures and not chronologically necessarily because they predate mankind, as we discussed in Job uh, chapter 38. But let's look at the first time the word angel even appears in the Bible. And it's really interesting because uh, the first time an angel appears, uh, well, 
not the first time because there's cherubs in the garden, but the first time an yeah. angel actually shows up and talks to a human being uh, is going to be Genesis chapter 16. So we're not talking about the serpent in the garden, and we're not talking about the cherubs that guarded the tree of life. We're talking about Hagar, the concubine of Abram. Mm -hmm. So Genesis 16 verse 7 says, um, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to shore. We're talking about uh, Sarai is the wife of Abram. We, we come to know them later as Abraham and Sarah. Yeah. But he was originally Abram and Sarai, and she had a handmaid, Hagar. And when God told Abram, you were going to have a son, and I'm going to make him uh, fulfill the promise through him, he was so old, he thought, well, I don't see how that's going to happen. So he kind of didn't have enough faith that God could do yeah. it. And Sarai was 80 at the time, so um, he figured, well, and it was sort of her idea too. She said, why don't you go into my maid, and maybe God will raise up a child through her. Mm -hmm. So that's what ended up happening. Now, that was a mistake, but it's interesting that it's recorded in the Bible. And what happens is, uh, uh, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water because she fled from Sarai in the wilderness, verse 8. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou? And whither wilt thou go? Because you're in the wilderness. You know, how are you going to survive? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And we're not talking about Israel here. We're talking about the yeah. children of, uh, uh, of, Sarah, of Hagar through Ishmael. So do you think it's interesting, and I thought this when I read this particular passage, that the angel would say that, I will, I will surely multiply your offspring. So obviously the angel can't do that. Right? right, so he's speaking for God. Here. Absolutely. Okay. When I read that, I was like, "Wait, the angel can't do that." Right? <laughs> exactly right, and hence the term "the angel of the Lord." And okay. Any angel. He's a messenger. He's a messenger, okay. and that's literally what the word "angel" means. We're going to see it's messenger. That's not. That doesn't describe what they are. It describes what they're doing. So he's okay. the messenger. You're right, and the angel of the Lord is specific in that it's usually in in the context is referring to when he speaks on behalf of the Lord. Even mm -hmm. the burning bush was the angel of the Lord, you know, okay. when God was speaking to him. So uh, the angel of the Lord said, verse 11, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And we did uh, the mystery of Ishmael a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. And you might recall that where we talked, where we defined what all that means. But uh, uh, Ishmael is like a, the man of God, I believe, or man of God. And now I've forgotten exactly what it was. I have to go back. I thought it was like a wild man or something like yeah, that. He would be a wild man, verse 12. Yeah. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Beer Laharoi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abraham was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. So 86 years old. Later on, he ends up being 100, you know, when he mm -hmm. gives uh, um, uh, birth to, um, I think, or 99, I forget, when they give birth to um, Isaac. But um, this is interesting because in this first occurrence of an angel talking to a person, it's not the child of promise. It's the mother of the child of the flesh. And as we saw in that episode about the mystery of Ishmael, Paul gave us the understanding of what he really represents. And he represents Israel in bondage. And Isaac represents the child of promise, which is us. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the true seed, the, the true uh, uh, adoption children of God. So it's just very interesting that there's a pronouncement here by an angel the first time one appears, and it's about uh, the birth of a child that's going to be uh, multiplied exceedingly, but he would be a wild man in his hand against every man. He's not the promise. He's not the child. So angels hmm. sometimes give messages that are not always good news, you know. And as it turns out, this child, while most people want to say it's the Arabs, and or the or Islam, I don't know that yeah. I buy that. 
Uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to uh, concede that that's all Ishmael is. His hand being against every man, as Paul said in, in Galatians, was a type of Israel in bondage, Jerusalem in bondage with their children. So what's, what his hand against every man is his brethren. He's going to dwell in the midst of his brethren. It was Israel fighting against the believers in Christ. The Christ rejecting Israel fighting against the Christ believing Israel. Do you think that this has anything to do with when you look at the book of Joshua, mm-hmm. um, when Joshua's leading Israel into the, the land that they're taking, right? And yeah. So he conquers like 30 or 31 different kings and cities. But there's also, when you read through that book, it's like, oh, he took this city or he wiped these people out. But then there's also mention of like, well, they couldn't take these people. So these people dwelt among them. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And it, it, and I always read that and I go, well, I wonder if that's kind of like Israel nowadays, right? You have the nation of Israel, but then you have people living among the nation of Israel. I mean, they're over there fighting all the time, yep. right? And yeah. I wonder if that's has, I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. Right? Yeah, it's significant. It, like his hand is against him, mm-hmm. right? Um, His hand's against everyone. I think anything that is against God's people is a hand against them, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. because the the nation Israel at the time that Christ was crucified was very religious, but they were wrong. You know, they turned the law into a system of works rather than recognizing what it was, that, that you couldn't keep it and that you needed mercy. And Christ came to bring that mercy, but they crucified the king. So they rejected the kingdom. And that's literally what happened. Uh, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent took it by force in the days mm-hmm. of Christ. So that's where it is now. That's where it stands. So we, we look at these things, and if we understand it through the lens of Paul, we see the types. And typology is so important in the Bible now. That's something I never researched until I got past yeah. that blinders-on kind of mentality. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> once I begin to see the types, I begin to see that, yeah, Ishmael is the child of the flesh, and he is likened unto Christ rejecting Israel. He never calls him Arabia, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he's Mount Sinai in Arabia, but it, it's uh, analogous to Israel in rejection, still under bondage of the law. Then the next occurrence of angels happens in Genesis 19. And interesting there is it's God pouring his wrath out upon a city. So verse 1 says, There came two angels to Sodom at even or evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the streets all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned into him, in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. So the first thing that's striking about this is these are the same two angels that were with the Lord himself when he met and spoke to Abraham uh, in the previous chapter. They go on to Sodom while Abraham tries to argue with God about if you find ten righteous, if you find five righteous mm-hmm. you know, in the city. Because he was worried about Lot, his nephew. Right. So the angels come there and he immediately treats them with great respect. I believe that's a clue and a hint that uh, he knew they were angels. I would I would suspect that they looked somewhat different than men. Well, look, I mean, like yes, yeah, as he he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So obviously yeah. he knew something was different about them. Something right? was different. <laughs> right. And by the way, so did the men of Sodom. Uh, yeah, and and so I, I've mentioned this before that you know people we get our our word you know not to be crude but we get our word sodomy from the city. Yeah, and yeah. the implication is that was the crime, but that's not the only crime they were involved in. What the Bible says in the book of Second Peter and Jude is that they went after strange flesh. Mm-hmm. They knew they were angels, and they were trying to somehow reproduce the sin of Genesis six. That must have been in their mind. They wanted that superior wisdom that superior intellect they wanted the secret knowledge yeah the occult wisdom of satan you know and that was what they were ultimately after because honestly if you think about it let's just use the word homosexuality 
if that was the only crime that, that they were being punished for, then there's any number of cities since then that should have been burned up. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah. So I don't believe that's what the focus was. The focus was on the interaction of angels, which God forbade. And the crime was so severe back in Genesis 6 that those angels that did that were literally thrown into mm-hmm. the bottomless pit and chained. And so here men were trying to instigate that again somehow, you know. Now let's look it's, at the... it's kind of fascinating. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, it's okay. That in Genesis six, it was angels with women. Yeah. Though this was men with, I'm assuming, two male angels. Right. Because they ask, so, they literally say, it, "Show, bring us the men that came into." Yeah, you. and yeah. in Genesis six, it was all about. <laughs> um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like affecting the DNA, yeah. changing the Genetic. DNA, the genetics. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not going to change genetics when it's men with male. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on here, but it, it is interesting. I think they were looking for something, right? They were. And we don't know that they weren't intending to offer their daughters or wives. Uh, true. For all we know, that could have been what they were, were going to do. Uh, but uh, it, and I don't doubt that the angels that sinned might have also been involved in who knows what manner of um, genetic manipulation. Yeah. Because with the technology that they had, and I think the argument can be made that abductions today are altering genetics. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're taking seed from men. They're planting it in the, um, the womb of women they abduct and probably mixing it with something uh, to produce these hybrid offspring. I don't doubt that they were doing something similar to that back in the Genesis 6, even with animals which mm-hmm. could tell you a lot about perhaps what, um, you know, There, I get a lot of questions uh, of, of listeners about what about the dinosaurs? What about the dinosaurs? And it is, I'll throw this out there. I'm going to do some research in the scripture. But what if the dinosaurs existed in a time when God's original creation was tainted by Lucifer and his angels and they genetically manipulated them to become beasts like they were? So, yeah. so that the fossil record, which is a, a record of death and destruction, you know, uh, shows animals eating each other. And that was probably not the original creation. So are you saying that dinosaurs and man would have been on the earth at the same time then? That's possible. Uh, but if we, if we uh, concede that geological dating of the fossil record is correct, yeah. then it would be millions of years before man. So it would be they existed in the time when the angels' civilization mm-hmm. was. So is it possible that when Lucifer rebelled and he was on the earth, that that angelic civilization ta- corrupted everything God touched? They mm-hmm. thought, well, we'll make, we'll make our own animals. And what they produced was garbage. So isn't there, so we're obviously in Texas, but isn't there up in Glen Rose, you have the Paluxy River, yeah. right? And Glen Rose's whole thing is dinosaurs, right? Right. But in the Paluxy River, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was like a mud bed, yeah. and they have footprints Fossilized of footprints. a dinosaur, yeah. and they have a footprint of human beings. I've seen it. And the theory is that the human being was running yeah. away from the dinosaur, right? right. So and, and there's every reason to think that they could have been, they could have existed at the yeah. time uh, with men too. Um, and I don't leave that out as a possibility. But they also could have been the footprint of an angel. Because hmm. people want to think of angels as only ethereal spiritual beings, but they're not. They're fine. They're... Their physical corporeal yeah. things, you know. Which I think is fascinating. I mean, yeah. that's what these two guys here are. They look like human beings. Yeah. Obviously, if these guys wanted to be with them, mm-hmm. they're human beings. Yes, exactly. Also, going back, I think it was Joshua, again, the book of Joshua, and you know this better than I, but they, there was an angel that God sent to lead Joshua's armies, and I don't know exactly what cha- chapter it was. What I thought was really fascinating, but since we're talking about angels— is God said to them, "Look, this guy. I don't know. I, I don't know how the words are, but he's kind of a he's a bad dude, right? <laughs> right. Like he and the words. He's not going to forgive you. Well, the words in the Bible were, don't provoke him.' Yes. When I read that, I was like, what does that mean? Like, if you make this guy mad, he's going to like big trouble. He'll, he'll whoop up on you pretty good, right? So which, that's a good point. You know, they very can, good point. And and I think that had to do with it was also probably the angel of the Lord, or you could say the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ or whatever mm-hmm. in that form of, a, of that angel. In the same way Melchizedek may have been 
you know, he could take whatever form he wanted. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, at that time, there couldn't be pardoning of transgressions until the sacrifice was made. Yeah. which Christ ultimately did. So they were very much messengers. In fact, the very word angel in Hebrew is malach, if I'm pronouncing it right. And it means messenger, representative, or, and it's translated as messenger or angel. So a man could be an angel. He could be a messenger. Hmm. He okay. could be a malach. He's not physically an angel as in one of our elder race brethren. Yeah. You know, which, and so the, the, the true term we're going to find is they're called benai Elohim, sons of God. So we're going to get to that. We're not going to probably get to that today because we're going to run out of time. So like I said, this will be a part two for sure. But if we go to Hebrews chapter one, we're going to see one description of angels that tells us more about what they do. We, we can see that the word malak means messenger. But in Hebrews chapter one, which talks a lot about angels, the, the book does, uh, we're going to start in verse 13. So Hebrews one verse 13 says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Who did he say that to? Well, he said that to Jesus Christ. Hmm, So Jesus Christ, we're going to get into the whole thing about while he has an angel, he had to be born into the human condition to take title of the earth because he gave earth to man. He gave dominion to man. Okay. So, but back to the angels, he says in verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So one of the jobs of angels as a messenger is to minister to those that are going to be heirs of salvation. In what way they minister might depend on whatever God is allowing them to do at that time. Yeah. You know, we see examples of the 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 poor beggar Lazarus being carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom after he died. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see the angels, as you described with Joshua, defending the children of Israel, fighting the battles for them. But again, heirs of salvation. So we we see that operating in a way. But uh, you were talking about their greater intellect and their intelligence. Mm -hmm. How could they even think to choose to go against God? But in 2 Peter, one of the things that, that came to my mind when you brought up that that description was second Peter chapter two verse nine. And we see an interesting thing because um, we see in verse nine, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So thank God there's going to be justice, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. And he's not talking about the government of man. He's talking about God's government. Yeah. So the the angels, and not just men, you know, men defy God and they rebel against God and they want nothing to do with his kingdom, but so did those angels that rebelled. They despise government, God's kingdom. Presumptuous are they. Every time I read that, I think it's I hear Yoda say it. Presumptuous are they? <laughs> Self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, and dignities is like um, other angels. Uh-huh. You know, um, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. And uh, it's interesting because he's talking about some wicked men here, and in fact, they're probably hybrid Nephilim in the in the last days, but they could also just be those that are the tares among the wheat. You know, and yeah. so they infiltrate the church. But uh, he's comparing them to angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them. Even the angels don't rebuke them face to face because he know they know uh, that God has a plan. Hmm. God is going to wreak the vengeance. Yeah. So they're associated with um, ministering to the heirs of salvation. They're messengers. And they're harbingers and executors of judgment, as we saw in Sodom. We, we didn't read the whole story, but we know yeah. what ended up happening was they dragged Lot, literally kicking and screaming, out of the city. Mm-hmm. And then uh, God rained down fire upon that, um, that city because of—and and God only divinely intervenes, it appears, when angels are involved, like— the world that was, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the earth is without form and void because God destroyed and restored from that. It was his divine judgment upon mm-hmm. that world that the angels corrupted 
the fallen angels. Yeah. Then he divinely intervened with a second flood in the days of Noah because angels were involved. And then Sodom and Gomorrah, he divinely intervenes. One city, well, two, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but the plan was because they were trying to instigate some. In fact, I should say another thing. He divinely intervened in the Tower of Babel. Well, where were the angels there? What were they doing? Building a tower whose top would reach under heaven. What was their aim? Yeah. They were trying to get those angels to come back. They were willing to give their wives, their daughters, their sisters for the secret knowledge. I think Sodom and Gomorrah is pointing to that too. So when the nation of Israel was fleeing Egypt and God separated the sea, mm-hmm. that was obviously divine intervention. Was there angels at that time? Absolutely. The, the pillar, the cloud, the pillar of fire, and the pillar of smoke. Yeah. The yeah. angel of the Lord. The same one that was he said, leading not them your through the wilderness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So when angels are involved, God's directly intervening. It's because there's an attack being made against his holiness, his righteousness. And ultimately, that's going to consummate in the final battle of Armageddon. Mm-hmm. And Christ coming back, so we're gonna uh, we're probably gonna have to stop here because we got a lot more to cover, but we're already running out of time. But we're gonna just discuss the who the angels really are. They're not just known by the description of what they do. They're literally called the sons of God, and we're gonna see that starting next week. So, John, thank you. Fascinating. Yeah, thank you for this and for being a part of this. It's a two parter because I interject, I interjected too much. <laughs> no, you interjected it in a great way. And actually, I had fully planned on it being a two-parter because I knew I had more notes that I could cover in 45 minutes, which I like to keep it to. So tune in next week, folks. That just means you need to come back. John, you'll come back. I will. I'll okay. be here. All right. Fantastic. Well, till next time, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Appreciate your donations. Appreciate your uh, your writing to me and letting me know. Uh, don't forget about Unlock the Bible Now. We've redesigned our website, so I'd like you to check it out. We also have the Unlock the Bible Now app you can download. That's not the podcast. That's other Bible messages that I do, but you have other uh, functions in that app I'd like you to check out if you could. And stay tuned because coming soon, we're going to be offering, as soon as we get everything together, a Bible Mysteries premium subscription, some bonus content that you could subscribe to for a very low price. So we're hoping we could keep this uh, this entire podcast self-funded through that kind of subscription, and we'll see where we can take that. So once again, John, thanks. Absolutely. And thank you for listening, and you take care. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.